0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. God has given me a, an encouraging word for us tonight. Um, most of it's going to be based around one scripture, which is in Romans 5. Uh, so let's, let's actually just jump into it. Let's read from, from verse 1 to 5. It should be on the screen. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen? Hey? Uh, Actually, uh, whenever I try to get through this portion, I can never get past that first sentence because, I mean, that's the gospel in one sentence. And it's just so beautifully said. And it's just so beautiful that since we have been justified, in other words, we've been made righteous, that the the legal requirement that was against us has been fulfilled. That is good news, and we've been justified not by what we've done, not by how many times we prayed or the works that we did. Yes, works prove our faith, but they, our faith, uh, our salvation doesn't start with works. It starts with faith. We've been justified by faith, and not just faith in faith, but faith in Jesus. And through him, we have peace with God. In other words, we were enemies with God. We were rebellious against him. We ran away from him. We didn't want anything to do with him. We've all got those testimonies. We didn't want anything to do with God, but the grace of God drew us close to himself. And we have peace with God. I think it's just so incredible. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice. The title of the sermon is Rejoice, by the way. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, or in some translations, hope does not disappoint, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. What an amazing scripture. Um, throughout throughout scripture, we see so many similar encouragements and charges for us to, to rejoice, and you know, despite what goes on around us. Um, I think of James, not me, James, the book, the, the first chapter right in the beginning where he says, brothers, count it joy when you face trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces... Patience or steadfastness. And that must have its, finish its work so that you can be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Who here wants to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing? Awesome. You just signed up for, for suffering. (laughs) We don't need to write your name down. It's, God saw that. It's similar as well to, There's another scripture, one of my favorite ones, in uh, Hebrews 12, where it speaks about the discipline of God. And, you know, the discipline of God is something that's sometimes a struggle for us. Uh, What generation are we? Post-millennials. Wow, I didn't know we're post. Anyway, so we're apparently post-millennials. And something like discipline is difficult for us because many times we we didn't really receive discipline um, as children. And so it's difficult for us to think of God, the Father, as disciplining disciplining us. Um, But it says in the Word, in Hebrews 12, that he disciplines those that he loves. And he does it because we're sons. And then he does it for our good so that we can share in his holiness. That it's, it's not pleasant in the moment. It's not something we necessarily enjoy in the moment. But he produces righteousness in us if we allow ourselves to be trained by that discipline. So, I mean, I can give you countless examples of, of other scriptures, but we know the scriptures and we, we know the testimonies, we know the men of faith in scripture who, the Jobs and the Davids who went through incredible suffering and incredible difficulty, and we see the testimony at the end. But who agrees that when it comes to suffering, when it comes to difficult times, that rejoicing is pretty much the furthest thing from our minds? Hey, am I the only one who, who struggles with this? Uh, I might be preaching to myself tonight. Maybe you all got this right. But I know for myself, when difficulty comes, rejoicing is not usually my, my first response. Okay, but before we carry on, I just want us to look a little bit closer at, um, at the section we looked at in, Re- in Romans 5. So, the section we read, it starts with a therefore, right? And a clue, if you're reading the Bible or if you're reading anything... If there's a therefore, then it means that what comes before that is important for what comes after that. So we can't just read what we read. We need to we need to go back a little bit. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. And uh, the, the chapters leading up to, to chapter 5 of Romans is Paul in the most incredible, masterful way painting the picture of what the gospel is, the gospel, the good news, why we need salvation, the fact that all of us have sinned. That all of us fall short of the glory of God. That there's not one of us who do any good. No matter what we do, no matter what we've said, none of us do good. And he's, he's speaking to both a Jewish and a, and a Gentile audience. And he's saying, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, none of us can reach that mark. All of us have fallen short. And then he speaks about the law that was given. The law that was given through Moses. You know, And the law was good in that it showed us what sin is, because it says um, if, we, if we don't know the law, if we don't have a law that says this is right and this is wrong, then we're not going to know what sin is. And so the law was good, but it was never powerful enough in itself to completely set us free from the slavery to sin that we find ourselves in. The law was only pointing us to the fact that we need a Savior, and that Savior came through Jesus, and we can only be made righteous by faith in Jesus. So that's the chapters leading up to where we read now. And then right at the end, just before we, we started, he speaks about Abraham. And, you know, Abraham was, was born before Moses. So he was there before the law. And yet he had righteousness. So it was a righteousness that wasn't, um, that wasn't because of the law. Let's read that together from in chapter four, Romans chapter four, verse 13. We're going to read on to where we were just now. Speaking about Abraham, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world. This is a bit of a long section, okay? So we put your focus face on, like focus face. This is not relaxed Sunday. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings a wrath, but where there's no law, there's no transgression. That's what we said just now. The law is there to show us what what sin is. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it's written, I've made you the father of many nations. You Who sang that song when you were a kid? Father Abraham has many sons, many sons. Yeah, we're, we're all sons of Abraham because he, in a sense, is the father of faith because his righteousness was not based on the law, but based on faith. In the presence of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. That's about an insult if I, if I can see one. Um, since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. So obviously, Abram was given the promise, you're going to have a son and you're going to have offspring that's going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And he's, his body is almost as good as dead and his wife is barren. But then it says this about him. No unbelief made him waver concerning the, pro- concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words that was counted to him was not written for his sake alone, but for ours as well. Hallelujah. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses, And raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. I need a glass of water after. I love that that part, that verse there that spoke about Abraham saying that no unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God fully convinced that God is able to do what he had promised. Who would want that to be like the testimony of your life one day, the end of your life for people to say that guy or that girl, they didn't waver concerning the promises of God, but they stayed steadfast. They, In fact, they grew strong in faith, implying that there's a growth. There's a, in the waiting, it's not only just kind of waiting for the sake of waiting, but it's growing, becoming stronger as we wait. And, I don't know about you, but it feels to me like there are people going through incredibly difficult times at the moment. Um, I've just got so many friends and and people close to me who are, some of them literally going through the hardest thing they've ever been through in their lives. And maybe it's one of you here tonight, maybe you feel like you're actually experiencing some of the... The most difficult things you've ever had to face. Some of the most difficult challenges. Or maybe it's somebody that you love. Somebody that you're close to. And you feel you don't even know. What do you say to this person who's going through this thing? And as we read earlier, throughout scripture, we're given this instruction. It keeps coming up, coming up, coming up. I mean, God gave me the word for this this message. And then when I actually started looking up, rejoice. Just to see how much it keeps coming up. Rejoice, rejoice. Rejoice. And to rejoice, I mean, it, it means to, to take joy in and to find joy in something. So when we're told to rejoice in our sufferings, it's literally take joy, find joy in your sufferings. There's an, there's an element of, of thanksgiving in rejoicing, you know, of just giving thanks to God. There's an element of, of praise, but it comes down to the matter of, of joy. Where's our joy in, in our suffering? And I love in, in Philippians 4, Paul writes to the Philippians and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And it feels like a bit of a tall instruction, you know, how, how do we rejoice when we're suffering? How do we rejoice when it feels like everything around us is dark or everything around us is, is confusing? And I think the thing that blows my mind about that statement is the fact that paul wrote it from prison he was imprisoned at the time so to me it would it would be a great thing for 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 something like the philippians to say to paul you know paul rejoice in the lord always brother you know again i say just rejoice you know no matter what you're going through just rejoice but this is the guy who's sitting in prison telling those on the outside everybody rejoice in the lord always there was a man who had found joy, even in his suffering. I don't know if you, if, if you were here, uh, towards the end of last year, I, I also spoke, and I spoke from the chapter before that, in Philippians 3, um, where, where Paul is speaking, and I just want us to, to quickly read that together. He says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ." and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. We can endure suffering because we want to know Christ. There's a, I fully believe that there's a side to God, there's a side to Jesus that we will never know if we were just... Plain sailing, you know, if everything's going our way, all our plans, all our, it's just me and Jesus walking down the road. But there's a side to Jesus that we can only know in suffering and in trials. We can only know the comfort of God if we need to be comforted, right? And we can only give comfort to other people if we ourselves have first been comforted. So I know so many of us, we have a heart for for comforting people, but if we want to comfort people, we first need to have received comfort. And if we need to receive, we can only receive comfort if we need comforting. That's the truth about suffering and what God does in it. I remember when my wife and I were, were still dating, at that time, a lot of people, people love giving advice. Whatever stage of life you're in, they, they give you advice. And I remember the one thing that people said when we were dating is, you know, if you want to know if this is the one, go camping together. <laughs> because obviously, I mean, you can think about it, camping, uh, let me see, is there anybody here who likes camping? Okay, wow, we're, we're an outdoorsy church. So, <laughs> uh, I, I know that, to be honest, I'm quite glad that we never followed that advice. We never went camping. Um... I think it it wouldn't have reflected so well on on myself because I'm kind of like a comforts kind of guy, and that's the thing about camping is you you're kind of taking away all the luxuries, you're taking away all the, the coffee machines and the <laughs> all of those things, all the all the comforts of life, and you're stripping it back, and suddenly that's where you see somebody's true character when they're going through difficulty but praise god it worked out we've been married for for eight years now so <laughs> and we might have been camp- camping once i think in those eight years which was with a two-year-old with another family with also, also with a two-year-old and we all slept in one tent it was it was crazy but it, it worked out but the thing about these difficulties i mean camping is a silly example but the the thing about difficulties in charles is that it brings out the worst in us but it brings out the best in Jesus when we cling to Him, and that is, that is the truth that I feel that we need to hold on to desperately in our difficulties and in our trials, is the fact that God is with us in it. And I, what I find is that so many times that is one of the biggest things that the enemy lies to us about is saying that, where is God? As you're going through those things, where's God? You're on your own. And it's up to you to get out of this mess. And by the way, you, you're not going to get out of this mess. That's some of the lies that he tells us. But the truth we have to cling to is the fact that God is with us. And I think that's, it's for that reason that a psalm like Psalm 23 has just become the psalm that it is. Because it's such a comfort for us to know that our God is not a distant God. Our God is God with us, that He is our shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. If you're going through a tough time, these words mean a lot. He restores my soul, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That's the key there. I won't fear. Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is that not an awesome promise? That we have access into the presence of God. That we can know God. We read earlier in Romans 5 that we have peace with God that his wrath is no longer against us and is there anything that can steal that joy from us the fact that we can know him and in fact far from from trials stealing from us or robbing us God wants to use trials to draw us to himself he wants to draw us into a deeper knowing a deeper abiding and and Establishing us a greater measure of hope, because suffering produces endurance. endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Um, about a year ago, I made the foolish decision to start long distance running i don 't know why I chose that, but there were there were a few events that I wanted to sign up for you know as a, as a bit of a goal. And for some reason, I decided on on road running. Um, by the way, I've also I've got lots of friends who love to quote scripture at me. You know the one in Proverbs where it says that only the wicked run when nobody is chasing them. Yeah. Um, they can be identified by their fingers clicking. So. For some reason, myself and a, and a close friend, we decided, okay, we're going to do this road running thing we're going to enter some some big events. But the thing about road running can I see is there anybody as foolish as me to do road running, specifically road running? see, there's like four of us like <laughs> trail runners, yeah, there you go that's more so the thing about road running is it's just so boring it's there, there's no way to to get around it. You know, I, I used to do a bit of trail running, and I still do every now and then. But we live in Stellenbosch. I mean, there's mountains, and you can climb a mountain basically on a trail run, and you can you cross rivers. And it's just you, you're focusing so much on the road, and you, you're, there's so many distractions around you. The beauty that you see around you. You know, you're not trying to. You're trying not to trip over rocks and things with with road running. It's like. <laughs> It's you and a tall road that just like stretches out ahead, and that's it. It's just you and the road, <laughs> and it's boring. But it's taught me endurance, <laughs> and what I've found as road running, especially just with when it's you and that tall road for however many kilometers, is that the battle is in the mind. The battle is constantly in your mind about are you going to stick this out. Oh, you're going to give up. Oh, look, there's a little shop. Maybe they sell chocolates. (laughs) Maybe I can phone my wife to come pick me up. (laughs) I've done that once. (laughs) The best run of my life. Uh, But really, the the battle is in the mind. And and what I've found with with endurance is that you can't learn endurance in theory. (laughs) You can't sit in your living room and visualize the road. And just yeah yeah yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ace this. In the same way, you can't you can't learn endurance cheaply, because no amount of five k runs are gonna prepare you for a 42 or a 56 or whatever the Lord graces me with later on. You cannot earn it, or you cannot learn endurance. In theory or cheaply, you only learn endurance through suffering, (laughs) through sticking it out when that battle is in the mind. And what does it say in Romans 5? Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. And that word character has such a beautiful meaning. It, It literally means a strength that only comes from severe testing. That's the character that God is wanting to establish in us, is a strength that only comes from severe testing. And that's the that's an amazing thing, is that God desires for us to be strengthened. God wants us to be steadfast, as I spoke about George. He he wants us to be strengthened. Because he he says in, in Ephesians, uh, Paul says in Ephesians 4, that we mustn't be like infants. God doesn't want us to be like infants that are tossed back and forth by every wind of doctrine or different deceptions that come our way. But he wants us to be strengthened. So he he uses difficulties, and he, he sometimes even uses persecution to produce endurance that produces character, that produces hope. And hope, thats this is where I'm really wanting to get tonight. Hope is a, a precious commodity. I believe that there's too many of us who walk around just with a sense of, of hopelessness. And if we had to be honest with one another tonight, many times there's just a sense of hopelessness inside of us, of hope that's been crushed within us. Maybe of disappointment. It feels like disappointment kind of characterizes your life. But I really believe that God wants to restore hope in our lives. Um, those who were at Convergence last year, one of the speakers was John Andrews. Um, and he said something that was really powerful, where he spoke about the difference between disappointed and disappointment. Where disappointed is an event. You know, something bad happened, I was disappointed, but then I moved on from it. It's something that happened in the past. Disappointment is an experience. It's something that we walk around it, around with. It's the reality of our lives. And I I really believe that that God is wanting tonight to touch us in those places of deep disappointment. He's wanting us to to open doors to rooms that maybe we haven't opened for a long time, or maybe we've never opened before, because he's wanting to come in and bring healing. Um, And I really don't want to make this cheap. I don't want to make it sound like, you know, come to the front tonight and everything is going to be fine. Sometimes we encounter God and he immediately sets us free, and that is awesome but sometimes it just means a night like tonight is just the start of a process it's the start of a journey of God restoring hope in our lives because we are meant to be a people of hope right we are believers we believe there's hope hope is a confident expectation of good things to come and so when Romans 5 says that we Rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The glory of God is a good thing. And we we can confidently expect to see God's glory one day. Oh, I can't wait for that. I can't wait to see the glory of God. I can't wait to enjoy his glory forever. Where it's just going to be all of us around the throne. But then it also says that rejoice in suffering. Because suffering produces endurance, which produces character, which produces hope. But I really believe that, that so many of us, we struggle to move on from that first step. Suffering produces endurance. We're kind of stuck in suffering. We get caught up in suffering. And we, we don't really want to move on to the endurance part because we're still in suffering. And our constant fight and our constant battle is with this suffering. And we've got so many questions in our mind. Just why this? Why? 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 And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at the... Um, Namibia men's camp, and Uncle Stephen, Stephen Lungu, was speaking, and he just said something so powerful that really impacted me. So so many of us walk around with these questions, you know, why God, why me, why why did you allow that to happen? Why is this still happening to me? Why is it not stopping? Why hasn't that happened? You know, we've all got these questions, and he, of all people, I think, can ask those questions considering what he's been through. But Jesus was the one who asked the ultimate why. When he hung naked on a cross for us, bearing the punishment that we deserved, and he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It puts things into perspective when we put our why next to that why. The son experienced the father turning his face away, so that we can have peace with god so that we can have access into the presence of god so that's why we can rejoice that's why we can have hope as i said I've, I've i've got a lot of a lot of friends who are going through really difficult times and it's sometimes difficult to know what to say i think many times we just need to to listen and be a friend rather than speak the whole time but the one phrase that keeps coming up whenever i'm praying for them is that with christ there is always hope with christ there is always hope because our hope is not based on things working out the way we planned or people behaving the way that we expected them to behave but our hope is based on his promises god's promises and the fact that he is faithful to accomplish what he has promised he will always remain faithful. That's what our hope is based on. And so that's, that's our greatest hope, you know. Not the, our greatest hope is not to be successful or to achieve much or to get married or to have children or to start a business or to lead a company one day. Or You know, these are all great aspirations and desires, and it's, it's good to have those things. But that's not our greatest hope. Our greatest hope is that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And that one day when we get to the end of this earth, we're going to be welcomed home. That is a good hope. That we're going to be welcomed home. One of my favorite chapters is Revelation 21. This is the hope that we have. That one day we're going to be in heaven with God. And that it says that the dwelling place of God is going to be with man. That we're going to be his people and he is going to be our God. That there's no need for a temple because God is the temple. That there's no need for the sun or moon to give light because the glory of God is its light. And the lamb is its lamp. So, we read earlier about Abraham. Before God gave him the promises about, you know, your offspring and the land that you're going to have. Before he gave him all those kind of personal promises... He gave this greatest promise. He says to Abram in Genesis 15 that I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Christ is our reward. Christ is our hope. And Christ is enough. I think I think that's one of the things that one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves many times in difficulties is Jesus enough? And on the surface, it's easy to answer when we can quickly give a, a religious answer. But we need to go and search our hearts. Search our hearts. Is Christ enough? Because that's our challenge. But the truth is that Christ is always enough. That's why I love so much um, why Scripture says that we can rejoice. Because we know that as difficult as the circumstances are that we're facing, they're producing in us endurance, which is producing in us character, which is producing in us hope. And that hope is going to keep us until the day when we finally see Jesus face to face and we get to hear the words that all of us long to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. That is our greatest hope. But also, like Abraham, I want to mention that that God does give us personal promises as well. There are things that God has spoken into your heart and He's confirmed it through other people and you know, there's, there's things that you know, this is a promise for God, I'm holding on to this. And what I want to ask tonight is, are you growing strong in faith as you wait for those promises? Look at Abraham, it said of him, though he had to wait so many years for his son Isaac to be born, it said, it was said of him, no unbelief. Made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Are you going strong in faith as you wait It, it sounds like a, an easy question to ask I know i, I, I don 't know what you 're going through, but there 's an opportunity for us to respond to what scripture says. I want to end with a with just an amazing encouragement from Scripture. It's found in 1 Peter. May you be encouraged by this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Ah, It's a living hope. It's not a dead hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I think we need to read that together from to an inheritance, one, two, three, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. As I said, I don't know what it is that you're facing. And I don't know what it is maybe that your loved ones, people that are close to you are facing. I just know that a lot of people are going through really difficult times. And I really felt God wanted to give this encouragement to us tonight. To say that we have a hope that does not disappoint. And it doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us the capacity, through the love that He gives us, He gives us the capacity to hold on to that hope so that it never puts us to shame. So, God is wanting us to learn to rejoice, even in our sufferings. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.